So last week we started on the worldviews. How many different worldviews there are and a Christian perspective worldview. It's interesting, we have slides and today my sermon topic is um, God is bigger than our unbelief. I just want to ask you a question first of all. Have you ever, have you ever had a bad problem with belief in God and belief in the scriptures and belief in, in what is going on in our world today? I think each one of us have had that, that, that dilemma that, that struggle, that fight, whether is God truly there? Is he listening to us? Does he truly exist? Does he care about me? And does he love me? And today we're going to talk about uh, our beliefs. Uh, God is bigger than our unbeliefs. So I, as I was practicing my sermon, I, I always practice my sermon. And I'm, I'm loud, aren't I? Okay, am I loud, too loud for you guys? Oh, good. Okay. All right. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm yelling. I'm not yelling. Um, so anyway, I just want to make sure you know I'm not yelling. You will know when I yell. Uh, not, not really. Uh, not, I don't even do it very often. Um, now I'm off track already. So anyway, so as we, as we looked at the worldviews, we've got some slides we're going to show you. But before we begin, um, you know, I became a pastor when I was 21. Uh, now I'm off. Okay, now I'm on. All right. So all my grandparents died when I was in, before I was in second grade. Um, I, so I didn't really have a lot of grandparents around me. But the little lady next door, her name was Mildred Utley. She became my grandma. She, she didn't have any kids. Her and her husband, they took care of me and my sister. We, they became my grandma and grandpa. Uh, she, she died when she was 104. I mean, she was, she was an older lady. Um, she quit driving at 96. And we really encouraged that. Um, she, we were from Kansas, but she drove like a rock springer. You know, she drove like she was from Rock Springs. And if we have kids doing their permits right now, so if, if you have teenagers, you understand what I'm saying. But it's interesting, once I became a pastor, I became her pastor as well. Um, so she was a sweet lady. Uh, she told you what it, how it was, what she thought, so on and so forth. And it was interesting, every time I would come home from college, I would do my laundry, I'd, I'd get some good food for my mom and my, my dad. Um, I would have to visit my grandma right next door, and she would tell me all the things going on. And she would tell me, she would say, Michael, have you seen what's going on in the paper? I said, Grandma, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, well, the aliens have come back. This is when she's gotten a little older. But every, every week when I came home, she would save the National Enquirer for me. And this is real news. Uh, this is not fake news. Like we have all our, no, I'm joking on that. Um, but it was interesting. So my grandma she would read it, and this is when she was a little later on in life, and she would believe that Jesus had come back and we had been missed, and um, she believed the information, what was going on in the Enquirer. And Grandma, we would sit down, and we'd say, Grandma, you know, it's not true information. This is, a lot of it's just false information, 99%, 9%, all, it's all junk. Anyway, she was convinced it, it was true information. And uh, she, she believed the aliens had come back and um, all this kind of stuff. When she, she was later on in life. And so it was always an adventure to visit my grandma. You never know what we were going to talk about. You never know what the direction of the conversation was going to be. But it's interesting that with that subject matter, I want to ask you the question, where do you get your truth? Tr truly, when we look at the world today, we, we have a lot of information being thrown at us. And so what, what do you believe? Do you believe everything on Facebook? Because we know that's all true. We know everything on Instagram. We know everything on the internet. It's all of it's true. 
Uh, and I'm being facetious. Please don't. Believe, I'm not. I don't believe that. I like to joke around when I preach. I like to joke. I like to have fun. But it's interesting that I want to ask you the question: Where do you get your information? Where do you get your source of of, of what is right and what is wrong? Last week, Michael preached on uh, God is the source of all things. That He's the source of goodness. And today, we're going to talk about the unbelief. So, Hannah, if you would bring up our next slide. With our worldview, if you look at it, if you think about the worldview that you have, if it's a Christian worldview or a secular worldview or what type of worldview you have, I need to make a premise here on where I'm coming from. Because if we cannot start on the foundation of agreement, then you and I are going to have some major issues. My information, I, the, where I get what is right and what is wrong is not from the inquirer. It's not from Facebook, it's not from any social media, it's not even from our culture, but it's from the Word of God. So I want you to understand that if you and I cannot agree that the basis of our what is right and what is wrong comes from the Scriptures, then we're going to have a major at difference, at, at odds, at some points in our conversation. And one thing we want to talk about as we look at the worldview today, we, we talk about theology, biology, law, philosophy, sociology, uh, politics, history, ethics, psychology, and economics. If you look at the scriptures, scriptures cover every area of the worldviews that is on this chart here today. If you really want to talk about economics, look at the scriptures. If you want to talk about philosophy, look at the scriptures. If you want to talk about anything in life, you look at the scripture, you look at the base, the foundation of our core, and you'll be able to have a great Christian worldview. And I'll tell my friends, there's a lot of things out there that try to get a Christian's attention, that tries to pull, pull us away from the word of God. You know, it's interesting that we have, we have kids, and we have, uh, they're, they're, they're growing. They're, they're, some of them are, are exiting the nest, and, and um, it, it's an exciting time in our lives. And, and we've had this, this conversation, me and my, our kids, that what is considered a cuss word today? You know, what is truly a cuss word? Our culture has now completely defined cuss words, when I was a kid, completely from what cuss words are to considered today. You know, and I don't want to offend you, but man, if you said the fart word in my mom and dad's house, and I hope I'm not offending you, but man, my mom would go ballistic if you said fart. <laughs> there, there was, all right, quick story, because we don't have a lot of time. Quick story. This, this reminds me of a time that I was, having, I was in college. I came home from college. I, was getting, I just went home for college for food and laundry and visit my mom and dad. And uh, I, I guess I made the statement. I, said, I asked the question, who farted? And my mom said, she said, Michael, don't you ever use that F word again in my house. <laughs> oh, she was serious. I mean, she, you know, I was 22. I don't know how old I was. She was going to beat me because I said the F word. And I thought to myself, what, what did I say? And then I realized, I, I, oh, we just, oh, who passed gas? And um, so it's always fun when, when my mom comes to church, um, you can kind of jab her once in a while with that word. Anyway, we better move on. So if we go to the next slide. So the question is, what can we be known? Who is God? Who am I? What is good? What is wrong? And what is next? We have a lot of worldview statements that we're going to be covering in the next nine weeks. This is a nine-week sermon series, and it's exciting because it's going to look at whether your worldview really lines up with Scripture. And that's the case, because I truly believe that if we as Christians are not lining up with the Word of God, if we are not lining up with the principles of what God has to say, then as Christianity, we are going to come further and further away from the truth. 
And I, I will tell you today, my friends, that I am, my heart breaks for, for Christians, for non-believers, for the church, for young people who do not have the Word of God as their basis, as the foundation in the Word of God in, in their lives. Because if you don't have an absolute, if there is something that is not absolute, my friends, then everything is relative. And what I choose to do is okay because I choose to do it. And so what we're going to talk about today, which is really, really cool, that is God is the judge and you are not. Oh, I'm excited about that. But how many of us like to be the judge, really? Oh, don't let me raise my hand by myself. <laughs> Bunch of liars. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, just the truth. The Lord told me to say that to you. No, I'm, I'm joking on that. I'm joking. I'm just joking. I get myself into more trouble, I know. But the thing is, each one of us like to judge. You know why we like to judge? Oh, this is because your dirt looks a whole lot worse than my dirt. You know, your sin looks a whole lot worse than my sins. And how foolish that is. But we like to be in control, don't we? That's really what it is, really what it comes down to. So as we look at this, my sermon topic today is I can be righteous or I can stay condemned. And I will tell you, my friends, I have struggled with this sermon. I, I have, I've, I've worked on the sermon three or four weeks, and I have trashed the sermon, I've restarted the sermon, I've started again, and every time I'm, I'm just like, oh, this frustrates me. Because this is such a huge topic to talk about what is right, what is wrong, God is judged, in a 40-minute conversation. Because we could spend weeks on this conversation alone. So first of all, I want to go ahead and turn your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I need to establish a foundation where I come from. I believe that the Word of God is not, um, we don't have a choice whether we believe in the Word of God or not. The Word of God is the Word of God. If you are a Christian, this is your foundation of the information where you get what is right and what is wrong. But in today's society, we have chosen to say, I, I agree with this certain part of the Scripture, and I disagree with this part of the Scripture, and I really don't like that Scripture, so I'm just not going to listen to it or, or do anything with it. And my friends, we don't, do you realize you were bought with a price? As Romans says that we are not our own anymore, but we were bought with a price. And that price was the blood of Jesus Christ. And so Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even in dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. I want you to understand, my friends, that the word of God is alive and active. And how many times does the word of God make your lives uncomfortable? Okay, man, it, it does me. I'm thinking, I'm thinking oh, Lord, Seriously? Do you, do you, is that really in the scriptures? When you really search things out and you're really being convicted by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit and these things are happening in your lives, you're thinking, Lord, why is this so difficult? Because there's a huge battle going on between your flesh and versus your spirit. There's a continual battle that my flesh wants to do the things that it wants to do and my spirit wants to do what my spirit wants to do. And there's a continual battle. And so my friends, if, I, if you read the scriptures and it makes you uncomfortable, that's a good thing. It's a very good thing to be uncomfortable with the Word of God. I, I will tell you this, I still, every time I preach, I don't eat breakfast. Because I still get nervous every time I preach the Word of God. 
Because if I eat breakfast, it's a, it's a very bad scene, what takes place. Do you think after 20-some years of preaching, I would be okay doing that? But I'm still, when the Word of God is so precious, and we should handle it with such care. But most, I, I don't want to say most, but a lot of us are so flippant with the Word of God that we just treat it as another source of income, or another source of, of resources in our lives. And my friends, I want to tell you that the Word of God is, is, is so powerful. Because you can read one scripture in one week and read it again in a couple of other weeks and it will completely change your theology. It will completely change where you are with God. Because the word of God is alive and your spiritual life is continually growing. And the more that you grow, the more you see where God is and what God wants to do in your life. So, okay, let's go ahead. So, God is bigger. And there are certain parts of my notes. If you read my notes, breathe. Take a moment. Uh, I, I got to, otherwise I will, we can be here for hours. Michael can preach, I can preach. We love to hear the word of God. And it's just beautiful to be in the house of God. But God is bigger than your unbeliefs, okay? So let me ask you, what are some of the unbeliefs that you have? We're going to talk about God as a whole, as a judge, and what's right and what's wrong. But there are a lot of things that we struggle with, isn't there? You know, is there a God? Can you prove that there's a God? Man, we, back in college, creation versus uh, creation science, we spent a whole year on that whole topic, uh, talking about the evolution theory, talking about creationism, talking about how the scriptures are bonded and how they are scientifically proven through the world today. It's, it's amazing. So trying to compact this into a very small time is very difficult. But what is your unbelief? Where are you struggling at? What do you have problems with? You see, the, the interesting thing is, unbelief is when we, we really question God. God, are you really there? This Jesus who died 2,000 years ago, truly what impact did he have upon my life today? You know, a lot of kids, a lot of people struggle when they, are, when they have their mom and dad's faith and not their own faith. When you have that realization, when you have that moment where the God of God, the God of all creation, is truly introduced into your life, you realize you don't have to have your mom and dad's faith anymore. You don't believe because your mom and dad believed, but you believe because you had that encounter with the Holy Spirit. You had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And my friends, that faith will stand. If you are believing, only because you want to impress a girl, or you want to impress a guy, or you have to come to church, you want, you're, you're putting on a facade. Or you have to go to church because your mom and dad make you. you know, someday you're going to make that determination whether you truly want a relationship with Jesus or you just want a relationship with the rest of the world. And that's your choice. But I will tell you, my friends, that the faith that is bonded with Christ Jesus, the faith that is your faith, is the faith that's going to stand through the trials and the tribulations that are going to come our way. If you have a faith that's based upon your mom and dad's faith, guess what, my friends? That faith is going to fail. If you are only believing because your mom and dad believe, you're only believing because your pastor believes, or because your husband believes, or your wife believes, whatever, if it's not yours, then you have nothing truly to cling on. And so as we look at the scripture, Romans says this, because this is a question I have. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. 
This scripture, a lot of people have issues with because have, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. What about when someone passes away? Is it a good thing that that person passed away? Are we, are we hurt? Are we, are we, do we miss that person? This is a scripture I have many, many questions about. And I can explain it to you theologically. I can give you the rationale of where Rome, where Paul was coming from. But here's the beautiful thing. In our faith, when you go through difficult times, when you go through sickness, when you go through pain, when you go through a loss of a job, when you go through heartache, God can use those situations to glorify himself. But how many of us have doubt during those times? Oh, I'll be, I'll be honest. Lord, why is this taking place? Why is this happening? So on and so forth. And we all ask those questions, don't we? If you don't ask the question why, then it's a very intro, you have a different relationship than I do with the Lord. All right. That's the introduction. <laughs> I'm not joking. And Michael said we got to be done at a certain time. Are we recording this? Oh, so he'll know. No, I'm joking. I'm, joking. I'm just joking. And by the way, Michael's sick today. Um, so just pray for Michael, Pastor Michael, if you would. Um, in, the, in the years I've known him, he's not missed a Sunday in church. And so just when he's, so just, just keep him in your prayers, if you would. Um, so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 and 7. We're going to talk about Noah. So the introduction is over. We're going to talk about Noah and the ark. And we're going to spend more time talking about Noah and his life than we are talking about the building of the ark and so on and so forth. Noah was a, a, an interesting guy. From Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 and 7 says this. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. And verse 7 says, by, by 7 says this, By faith, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. But his family, he by his faith, he condemned the world and became heirs of the righteousness that is keeping with the faith. It is interesting, as we're going to look at the scripture, Noah was a different kind of character. And the reason why I say Noah was a different kind of character, because throughout the scripture, we'll read in a few moments, it says that no one else was found that was worthy of basically walking with God. Basically, Noah had a relationship with God that many of the other people did not. Noah was the exception to the world. He was marching out of step with the rest of the world. He was walking with God. Have you noticed some people who truly walk with God, that they are sometimes just odd characters. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? They are strange individuals. They are weirdos. Isn't the reason being? Because there is such a small amount of people truly walking with God. The majority of the people today walk with our culture and our society. And so when you see someone who is different... You see someone with, who is walking in the light of God, who is a salt in the light of the world. Those people look very strange compared to the rest of the world. When they are generous and giving and they are loving and they don't even know you, there is something unique about that person. There is something different about that person. And Noah was one of those individuals who was walking with God. Noah in the definition of the people around him in the present time, he was probably crazy. He was absolutely crazy. But the thing is, it's interesting, Noah did not conform 
to his culture. That's very, very important. Noah did not conform to his culture. Because if you remember Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what, here's what breaks my heart. And I've been there, and this is not a, a judgmental, this is just a statement. I'm not casting judgment or, or, or condemnation. But there's a lot of people that want to be saved, but they also want to walk with the world. My friends, you can't have both. You can have one or you can have the other. You can't be conformed to this world and be a Christian. And my, my, my friends, I tell you, you look on the internet today, and there'll be hundreds and hundreds of churches that will say the exact opposite. Oh, it's okay. Do what it takes. It's okay. Live the life that you want to live. Don't worry about sin. Jesus' blood's got you covered. Praise God for Jesus' blood. But also, that's a relationship between us and God, between us and Jesus Christ. As a Christian, I said earlier, I've been bought with a price. That means my rights have been, have been bought. I have no rights as a Christian, my friends. It is my job, my obligation to serve God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind. And if I don't do that, then is my faith true? Is my faith concrete? Is my faith secure? <coughs> it's interesting. It's a weird story I'm going to tell you here in a second. Um, so I, I go to, I've been going to the gym, and, and Lori's got me on this diet that I've had, have, haven't had sugar for three days and no carbs for three days. Um, so I'm really glad I'm, I'm still awake on daylight savings uh, today. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, you know, because you look at the sweets back there, they look really good. Anyway, so no sugar for three days, and I'm not even grouchy yet. Um, so I was at the gym the other day. This is several, several weeks ago. I'm at the gym. I'm doing leg, um, leg calf raises. And I'm doing my calf raises. I have shorts on. I, I, I dress modestly. As I'm doing this, there's, there's some individuals. They're, they're females. Over in the corner, they start talking about my legs. <laughs> right, I don't normally have girls talking about my legs. Um, and so here I'm doing my calf, leg, my calf raises. And I start running into place. I'm trying to lose some extra weight. And one, and one of the one of the persons says, hey, you don't need to lose weight. You look good. I said, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And then another female came over, and she started to try. She said, well, can I touch your calf? Can I touch your calf leg? <laughs> All right. I, 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 true story. All right, I'm 43. I am not used to women um, wanting to come up and touch my legs. <laughs> Just not. It's kind of weird. Um, you know, and, and so what's the point of that story? There is a point. So immediately, I, want, I, I told my wife, hey, honey, there's, you know, I think I was getting hit on today. <laughs> it's been 21 years since I've did the dating thing, and I, I don't miss it at all. But I said, I think, I think, honey, I was. I just want you to know it was really weird. And um, here's my information. So I told her the whole story. We were laughing. And she said, Really? Like, like someone couldn't hit on me. I and mean, I was like, what's up with that? I mean, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so it's kind of like, I was, she slammed me, brought me back to humility. Um, but now I'm really going to lose my point. Um, but, but what I want to talk about is with that, with that atmosphere, 
it would have been so easy just to conform to the world. Say, oh, yeah, go ahead and touch my leg. <laughs> it, it, would have been, it would have been easy to fall into that situation and say, oh, the next day I'm going to wear some spandex or I'm going to wear something else, <laughs> do my T-shirt that's a little low cut so they can see my biceps. Yeah, you want to feel this? Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny. It, well, hopefully it's funny. My wife will tell me later if it's funny or not. Uh, but it's interesting. It's be, be very easy to fall into the ways of the world and to start to dress like the world, start to act like the world, and start to portray myself as the world. And so I want to tell you that it's not easy for Christians to not conform to the world if your, scripture, if your basis is not upon the Word of God. If you are not filling your life with the Word of God, if you are not filling your spirit with what God has to say, then other things are going to come in and it's going to fill you up. And it's going to take control and you're going to start living like the rest of the world does. And that's, my friends, very, very, very dangerous. So as we look at this, Will you notice, have you noticing people who walk with God walk differently from the rest of the world? I mean, I know, that's a beautiful thing about our church is, is, man, there are so many people here that truly walk with God. They, they are different people. They are loving people, and you are just drawn to them for some reason. And the reason why you're drawn to them is because the Spirit of God is flowing through them, and they are making a difference in their world. And my friends, I tell you, my faith, I got so long to grow, so much area in my life to grow, but I want to be like so many of you guys who walk by faith and not by sight, who have gone through tribulations, who have gone through hardships, and you're still faithful in the very end. That's who I want to be like you guys. Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter. Many of you guys would be in that scripture. Many of you would be in the book because what you have gone through, your trials, tribulations, and where you are on the other side. Isn't the beautiful thing about the scriptures also is that they, the Bible does not cover up people's stupidity? Oh, because how many of us, let me ask you, I was thinking about this morning, I was driving, thinking about this on the way to church. How many of us would really like everything we've ever done publicized to, to the community? Mm, I've done a lot of stupid things. And I know I'm going to do more stupid things. But I'm so glad that God did not cover up the unbelief and the doubt that people had in their lives. All right, so let's go ahead and go to Judges chapter 21 through 25. 21, 25, sorry. This scripture here truly reminds me of where we are in America today. I cannot speak truly to the, to, to the rest of the world, but as a whole as America, my heart breaks when I read Judges chapter 21 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every did, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. My friends, today, there is no absolutes today in our culture. There is no morals. There's no right and there's no wrong. It's whatever you want to do, go ahead and do it. And my friends, that is a very dangerous road that we are, we are taking, that we are on a slippery slope. Because once we lose morality, once we lose the ability to stand upon the Word of God, then there's nothing else we can stand upon. And my friends, the young people today do not believe in the Word of God. The people in churches, I believe as a whole, do not believe in the Word of God. I, I believe that as a, as a whole, as a Christian. In America, I believe that we just, we believe some of it, and we do what is right. We're very 
prag prag pragmatism. But I want to tell you, my friends, God is the judge. It doesn't matter what your neighbor's doing. It doesn't matter what your, your spouse is doing. It matters what you are doing with your relationship with God. God is the ultimate judge. You see, my friends, you and I are not the judge. No matter how much we want to be, we are not. Okay, so let's get to our text. Genesis chapter 6, 5 through 8. We got a lot to cover. So, you guys ever keep up, okay? <laughs> Genesis chapter 6, 5 through 8. The Lord saw wickedness of man, of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of his thoughts was only evil continuously. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man who I have created from the face of the land, man, animals, and creeping things, and birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I have made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So I want to cover just a very few, few points here. The first point was verse 6. Wickedness was great. Every intention of his thoughts was, and his heart was evil. Every thought before, the, remember, this is only six chapters in into the scriptures. Michael preached about God being the source, Adam and Eve walking with God in the garden, having a beautiful relationship with him, and everything goes, everything just goes downhill after Genesis chapter 3. And here we have this scripture that everyone's thought process, excluding Noah, their thought process was evil. Their thought process was, was wicked. And here's something that just grieves you. It should grieve you. The Lord regretted making man. Just a few chapters earlier, God said, all these things I have made are good. And now the heart of God is, is broke. He's crushed that he's made these people because of the wickedness that has come in. So he sends a flood that was going to kill all living creatures, that was on, all the living creatures except it was on the ark. And Noah built the ark out of faith. Okay, do you realize at this moment, we're getting a little scientific, and that's pretty far-stretching for me sometimes, there is a firmament around the earth at the present time of the time of Noah. A firmament was a very big canopy of water that was protecting them from the ultraviolet rays and the, the, the issues of life at that moment. And the scripture says that God, after Noah built the ark, he let the heavens rain and the waters from the depth come up. Do you realize at this moment there had never been rain before? Every morning there was dew on the ground from the firmament and from the water from the depth, but there had never rained. And so Noah was supposed to build this huge ark and bring all these creatures on, in, on it and save them from the water that was to come. It never rained. Do you believe it would take faith to step out and start building an ark what do you think your neighbors would say? You're crazy. You don't know what you're doing. What's taking place? And I imagine Noah was preaching and trying to convince his neighbors to repent. God is the judge. Isaiah chapter 59, 2 says this, But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so, you will not, so he will not hear. My friends, the sins that we look at the scriptures, where we get most of our morals today in America, most of our values comes from the biblical basis of the Leviticus um, law. Do you realize there's about 613 different laws in the Old Testament? 
That's a lot of, lot of laws. Nothing compared to what we have in Congress, for sure. But still, 613 laws is a lot. <clears throat> and so where we get the basis of what is right and what is wrong is from the Scriptures. And, and so when we look at this, do you realize, and old, of course this is an Old Testament Scripture, your iniquities have separated you from God. When you were at some point in your childhood, you developed, well, you were born with the inherent sinfulness. And at some point you were going to sin. And that sin made you an enemy of God. And that enemy of God puts you in a separation between you and our Heavenly Father, between us and our Heavenly Father. And my friends, I tell you that our sins keep us away from the things that we truly want. It truly does. Because God, what James says, God says, draw close to me and I will draw close to you. But it's very difficult to draw close to God when we're sinning, isn't it? And let me tell you, my friends, I, I don't want to guilt you. I'm not trying to guilt you today, but it is so comfortable today to sin in our churches. It is so comfortable today to sin in our culture because no one's going to call you on it. Well, that doesn't sound really biblical because it's not. My friends, I will tell you, I have groups of people in my life that if I'm doing something stupid, something sinful, guess what? They're going to be on my doorstep. They're going to be knocking on my door saying, Michael, what in the world are you doing? Quit being stupid. And there's sometimes you have to be direct with people, isn't it? Aren't you? Okay, I got teenagers, so that's where I'm coming from. Because, my friends, I t I, the thing that scares me about the churches today, not necessarily our church, but is that there's no difference between us and the rest of the world. Everyone does right in his own eyes. Because we all believe that we are the judge. And hopefully you don't believe that. But if I am the judge in the end, I'm a good person. Because we weigh, we weigh what we do, don't we? I've never killed anyone. Okay, this is completely off my notes now. Let's do a, let's do a quick trivia question. You don't have to raise your hand because I already know the truth. <laughs> How many of you ever lied before? Liars! Didn't raise your hand. I'm joking. You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you ever? Uh, how, how many of you ever um, stolen something? Okay, you really don't have to raise your hand because your neighbor's gonna think you're really bad. Because um, <laughs> you know they're judging you. I can't believe I'm sitting here. I am, I'm moving to the other side next time. So we're gonna see a bunch of people changing chairs next week. No, not really. Uh, how many of us have ever? Um, don't raise your hand. Um, committed adultery. All right, that's pretty, that's not, well, that's huge now. Let me ask you this question. How many of you ever looked upon a woman lustfully or a guy lustfully? Completely different status there with Jesus' terminology. Because Jesus says if you've even looked upon a woman lustfully, it's because you've committed adultery in your heart. I'll tell you, my friends, just a complete side note. And I thought once you got married, the lust thing would go away, but, but it doesn't. I mean, God has built us, God has made us to be creatures of love and, and sexuality. And so, gentlemen, please protect your eyes. Protect what you see and protect who you talk to and who you visit with. Because it is so very easy for, for lust to come into your heart and to change your heart and change your mind. And then you lose relationship with your spouse. It's so very easy. As we look at what 
I could go through the whole Ten Commandments, and my friends, I will tell you that each one of us has broken Ten Commandments in one way or another. And as we look at, this, as we look at where, what sin separates us from God, but God is able to draw us back. So Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 says this, In the account, Noah and his family, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. I love this scripture because there was three things I want to point out. Noah was righteous. Noah did the right thing. Even when it was difficult, even when people were making fun of him, even when there was doubt, Noah did the right thing. He was a person that was righteous. Another definition of righteousness was um, an act in accordance with a divine or moral law, free from guilt or sin, morally right or or justifiable, a righteous decision and doing what is right. I friend, my friends, even before we get to the conclusion here, my, my challenge to you, my challenge to you today is to do what is right. Be people of righteousness in our faith with our walk with God. Is it going to be difficult? Absolutely. Is it going to be hard? For sure. But doing what is right, being righteous in our world today, is what our society needs. They people need, non-believers need to see what we do is correct and what is right. Even when people don't want us to do what is right. Another thing that Noah was found by, he was blameless. Blameless people are those who cannot be accused of wrongdoing before God. A beautiful imagery. So he was righteous, he was blameless. This is why God chose him. And the third part where, where Noah was, he walked with God faithfully. My friends, how beautiful it is to walk with God in a relationship where you know you are no longer in condemnation, but you are a free son or a free daughter walking with your Heavenly Father. I love that. I love to be able to walk with my Father, and we walk by faith. So be blameless, be righteous, and walk with God. If you don't know how to do that, guess what? Most of us didn't in the very beginning. Most of us were very overwhelmed with our description. And where do we start? What do we read? So who do we listen to? So on and so forth. Let me just get on that one subject for a second. Who do you listen to? Be very, very careful. Because in Acts chapter 17, verse 11 says, the, the Bereans were more noble because they checked out the word of God to make sure the word of God was being, correct, being preached correct and accurately. So if there is someone who's preaching something that's not the Word of God, don't listen to them. That's just my advice. It's interesting. In the Old Testament, if you were a prophet and you prophesied one time wrong, guess what happened to you? They stoned you. We would have a lot less preachers today. <laughs> that's the truth. We would have a lot less preachers, which sometimes wouldn't be a bad thing if they're not preaching the Word of God. So Walk with God. So God is a judge. Psalms 18.30. As for God, his ways is perfect. The Lord's words is flawless. He shields all who takes refuge in him. I want you to understand, my friends, that the word of God is absolute. There is no variance. There is no debate. It is the word of God. It's absolute. Two plus two still equals four. And it always will with the word of God. God is to judge because he is perfect and the Lord's word is flawless. All right, what is wrong? Okay, I got two more points and we're, we're done. What is wrong? You know, it, it cracks me up. The world today tells us that we as people are good people. Uh, how? I guess we have to define what is good. 
But what is wrong is the world says our hearts are very, very trustworthy. They're very, they're honest, they're integrity. This is what the world says. And the Word of God, according to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond all cure. Who can understand it? Our hearts are not good, my friend. Our, our hearts are wicked and evil, and sometimes we don't even understand the things that we do. And Proverbs also says that we don't even understand our motives sometimes. So when you say you're a good person, you're, you're really just blowing smoke in the wind. Because you're not a good person. Okay, this is the time I'm going to tear you down, okay? So get ready. So if you're self-esteem, we'll build you back up, though. We got to do that. So this is a time that we are wicked, evil people that have the intent of doing much destruction in our lives and the lives of other people. If you don't believe me, how selfish are we? We do things for selfish gain that are not eternal practices. We are selfish people, aren't we? I know I am. How many of you like to get that, 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 red, that stop sign before the person on the right? You speed up just to beat the other person. I did that yesterday. It was conviction. But guys, we are, we are not good people. We are people that are wicked in our hearts. We, how many of you understand your heart? I, I don't. Man, there are days I, I, I know I love people. There are days I, I want everyone to come to Jesus. There are days that I want the world to be saved. And the next day I'm thinking, oh, these people, what are they doing? They're crazy. Yeah. But our hearts, so what is wrong? That we are wicked people. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. This sums up what Adam and Eve desire, to become like gods in their lives when they're in, in, in the garden. Scripture, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, very familiar. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us have sinned, and we have fallen, and we've fallen short of the mark. Missing the mark. What is sin? The definition of the Greek basically means you have a bullseye, and you miss the mark. When you don't hit the target every single time, you sin. My friends, you and I are sinners. That's what's wrong with our society. That's why we want us to be judges, not God. Because why do we want God to be judged? Because His, His law is perfect, and our law is very how much we feel. It's very, very flexible, isn't it? I'm a good person today. I didn't kill anyone. I didn't cuss anyone out. I didn't steal anything. I'm doing good. But according to God's law, once you sin, you become a lawbreaker, and you break all the laws. Every law that was 613 in the Old Testament, we have broken all of them. And that is what's wrong in our society today. The, wrong, the, the, the wrongness. What is wrong is that our morals are not based upon the scriptures. They're based upon how we feel. Whether it's going to be advantageous to us or to someone else. So you can stay. You can stay righteous or you can stay condemned. There's, I imagine, here in our church today, there's some people that are non-believers. Or maybe you're on the, on, the, on the fence of wavering, of do I truly believe in God or I don't believe in God. I was there before too. I remember 16 years old, I didn't want to go to church anymore just because my mom and dad made me go to church. 
I want to go to church because I had a relationship with God, or I just wanted to throw it aside. I wanted the truth. I didn't want to spend my life preaching something that was not true. I didn't want to waste my life with a, with a, with a lie. So I came to the conclusion of looking through all the prophecies of the scriptures. There's over 300 prophecies of Jesus coming back alone. There's hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus coming. And when you can predict the future, thousands of years before it takes place, every single time, you've got to be smarter than me. So I put my faith in Christ. Because if I don't put my faith in Christ, I'm going to stay condemned. If, if I don't put my faith in God, who do I put my faith into? Do I put my faith into my wife? Into my pastor? Into my friends? Do, do you realize I love each of those groups? But each of those groups are going to let me down. Eventually, they're going to fail me. Eventually, we're going to have some heartache. So what can I do? So I can choose to believe in Jesus Christ. And Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2 says this. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, or the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Amen. Do you understand that when you become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then, oh, let me just, it takes a lot to absorb what God will take you through. But when you realize that there is no condemnation, that means there's no accusation the evil one can bring against you. There is no, no, nothing from your history, nothing from your past, nothing from your present, or nothing from your future that the evil one, can, evil one can say, hey, do you remember when Michael Longfellow did this? There's no condemnation. So when Jesus Christ looks at my life, praise the Lord, he doesn't see me. Oh my gosh, praise God. Because if he saw me, he, he would see Oh, how much time do you have? <laughs> he would see a bunch of crap. He really would. Because I'm a still a sinner, saved by grace. And so when Jesus looks at me, he sees his son. I'm clothed with God. So he sees his perfect, perfect son. It's a beautiful thing. And that, my friends is not being condemned, but being righteous in our God. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his Son in the likeness of sin, fullness flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. My friends, it's, we can never be good enough to go to heaven. You will never, never make it. What is good is the righteousness of what God did upon the cross. Sending his son to die for you and I. That was good. Good in God's eyes. Was it painful? Was it devastating? Absolutely. But he loved you so much. He was willing to die for you. Okay. One thing I want you to get out of this. Noah walked with God. And he spoke with God, and he listened to God. So my challenge to you is to walk with God, to listen to God, 
and to speak to God. If you've never made that decision to follow Christ, if you've never made that decision, what is good, what is bad, you don't know the scriptures, my number also is in the bulletin. You can call me. My friends, make that decision to follow Christ. If you want to take steps, me, Steve, anyone here will help you make those steps to follow Jesus Christ. But I encourage you in all that you do, as a Christian, to be blameless, to be righteous, and to do the right thing. At this present time, we're going to take communion. As Carrie comes up, this is a time that we, we come around the communion tables, and this aisle will come down here and circle around. A lot of times, we have people in our church that, that maybe, uh, maybe you're single, maybe you don't have a family here, maybe you're visiting. And if you want to hang out with other people, that's the time to do. We just reflect upon the communion. We reflect upon what Jesus did upon the cross. You know, and I wish we had more time to go into the story of Noah, but, but we don't. But read Genesis chapter 6 through 8, and you will see the faith of a man who was willing to go out on the edge, who was willing to walk where no one else was able to walk or where they would walk. My friends, I see people in our church going places where no one else will ever go because they walk by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the day. I thank you, Lord, so much for who you are. And Lord, thank you for not leaving us in a state of condemnation. Thank you, God, for not allowing me to trust my heart, but trust you and trust your word alone. Lord, I pray today that if there's someone here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they will make the decision to follow you, that they will truly walk by, by faith and not by sight. I pray, God, that we will study the Scriptures and see the truth and see the morality and see what is right and what is wrong. Lord, thank you for you being the judge and not me. Thank you, Lord, for knowing what is absolute. But, Lord, thank you for showing us what is absolute as well. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.